everyone, it's Cheryl and Tony. Buckle up for this Wednesday morning edition of the Disney Drive Time Podcast. How are you? Doing good. It's nice to be back in the studio. Yeah, the studio. It is much easier to do a show when you're not driving 65 miles an hour down uh, an interstate. Yeah, I listened. It wasn't too terrible. It wasn't too great it, either. No, so. but you know, it got we got it done. If you listen to the episode, we apologize, but we wanted to get out some content. We knew that Cheryl was not going to be able to make it uh, to, to uh, yeah, we got know, it getting at, home. We got in at 10. I wasn't doing a show then. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you get what you get. That's right. So, so we're hoping to make up for it with this show. Yeah, exactly. Which we probably won't do. <laughs> we're going to start with the Disney Parks blog. Um, we're still talking about uh, Veterans Day, even though Veterans Day has passed. Um, Disney is doing many more things to support veterans in our community. That's right. But if you remember, the month of November is dedicated to veterans. So uh, Disney continues that. And they have supported um, veterans this month with a $1 million donation. They have a 10-year relationship with the Student Veterans of America. That is a group that has 1,600 on-campus chapters in all 50 states and three countries, and it helps student veterans get the tools and guidance they need to transition into careers after their military service. Okay. So they've uh, donated a million dollars. That's pretty cool. Uh, They also announced enhanced support for the Fisher House Foundation, which we mentioned earlier. They did give another $25,000 to the Orlando Fisher House. The Veterans Institute Summit will return to Walt Disney World in 2024. That is a a forum for sharing best practices in hiring veterans and military spouses and promotes skills and opportunities for a successful transition from the military to the civilian workforce. So Disney doing what they can to support veterans. Uh, Since 2012, they've donated more than $20 million in funding and media support to nonprofit organizations focused on veterans and military families. Nice. We've mentioned in stories previously about this concept of Disney communities. Um, They have one that's called Story Living by Disney Community Cotino, which is going to be in Rancho Mirage, California. This has not started being built yet, but it is just about at that point. And they have released some never-before-seen designs for the first of the Story Living by Disney homes. That's right. And this is the first ever Story Living by Disney community. I guess the goal is that they're going to put uh, you know, them across the country if this is successful. And this is out by the San Jacinto Mountains in, um, what's the big festival? Uh, Coachella. This mm-hmm. is out in the Coachella area. So it's the Coachella Valley. So this is going to be a community that reflects everything that Walt loved about the Coachella Valley, the landscape, history, community, and energizing spirit. So Walt and his family used to go out to the area, uh, you know, and relax and play polo and uh, ride horses and do all those things. So they have released a whole bunch of uh, looks at the first homes. Uh, They're going to be done by award-winning builder Shea Homes. They have floor plans that are available only to the Cotino community. Um, You know, they're nice. They have four distinct collections, the Cotino Coachella Collection, the Cotino Agrarian Collection, Cotino Oasis Collection, and Cotino Asperon uh, Collection. So if you want to check them out, they are available on the Disney Parks blog. And there's a video that's also out on YouTube that shows a sneak peek of the Artisan Club, which is going to be one of their community areas. All righty. So those are available uh, for pre-sale appointments right now. Perfect. And I think we should fly out there and buy three of them. Everyone should go buy one. And, you know, I was excited when they built Celebration. That was their first attempt at uh, community planning. Mm -hmm. And then they eventually, you know, sold it and and no longer have anything to do with it. It's still a great little community and designed very well. 
And now they're just moving on to another thing that they're not going to keep. Right, which they'll probably sell in like five years. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see the draw. I know what you do see the draw in. Merchandise. That's right. Christmas merch. Uh, if you want to take a look at the Disney Parks blog under their holiday section, they have a uh, Shop Disney merch list. So you can get all of your Disney Christmas items, including Mickey candy cane sweaters, which are somewhat adorable. So I think the, the thing here that you want to pay attention to and the reason why I see this story and think, oh, okay, um, is because they have matching outfits in various sizes. So the candy cane sweatshirts that Tony's talking about or sweaters, whatever they are, um, come in men's, women's, and children's. Um, there's like some matching cardigan sweaters for moms and daughters. So those are the kinds of things that are hard to find on a regular basis and tend right. to sell out quickly. So those are the ones that I would uh, recommend going and snatching up if it's something that you want. Right. They also have some items um, from their Hanukkah collection. Uh, they have uh, Dooney and Burke bags. They, you know, the typical items that they have whenever a uh, new holiday comes around. That's right. And, you know, it, one of your favorite things, their curated collections. Right. So they have the Disney Classics Christmas collection. They have the Disney Hanukkah collection. They have the D Disney Seasonal Homestead collection. Uh, those are the three that are available right now. Uh, and you can get everything from advent calendars to tumblers to sweatshirts um, to ornaments, ornaments, popcorn buckets, mugs, right. jewelry, Pandora you, bracelets. You name it, they've got it. Exactly. That wraps up the news from the Disney Parks blog. Now let's head over to Disneyland, where we're still talking about sippers and popcorn buckets and whatnot. Yeah, it's the new season and uh, all that merchandise is coming out. The newest thing here is the Light Up Holiday Olaf, Olaf Bottle Topper. That's right, because, uh, you know, everyone needs a bottle topper. You can't just have a regular bottle cap on it. Um, but the Holiday Olaf bottle topper is available at Disneyland Park uh, at the Churros and Lemonade Stand in Critter Country. The churro stands near It's a Small World. Uh, pretty much any churro stand uh, that has bottles is going to have that. With the purchase of a beverage, it is $7.50. It does not mention if you can purchase it without purchasing a beverage. I'm sure you can. Uh, but they don't list that price. I mean, the the seven fifty doesn't include the beverage. Correct. You just it's just an add on. So correct. And uh, speaking of holiday items, yeah, more more uh, adornments to your drinking paraphernalia. Um, they have a Chip and Dale holiday straw clip. Because you know, whenever I have a straw, it always gets loose. That seems annoying. And uh, I'd like to have a clip for it. Well, they do have the Chip and Dale holiday straw clip. That is the uh, chipmunks descending down a candy cane from the clip. And of course, the straw is looped so that it can hold the clip. That will set you back $6.99 once again with your purchase of a beverage. All right. There's a limit of two per person. I don't know why you even want one. Well, my philosophy is you can never have enough straw clips. <laughs> I, I don't, it's not even a thing. It's just this weird plastic clip. It could clip onto anything. Right. Who wants this? This clip hanging from your straw. And right. Now, I, it's just in the way. <laughs> I, I will agree that that's incredibly useless. Oh, but, but we're going to go into a story of something that is not useless. Yes, what, what is, is that? not useless mm -hmm. is Disneyland has announced that the Life Day Spork Aww. is coming to Galaxy's Edge this year. Uh, as you know, Life Day is celebrated on November 17th, and that was uh, part of the Star Wars holiday special back in 1978. Uh, it is a Wookiee holiday, but it has right. spread across the galaxy. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is a new holiday spork available, and you know it's a holiday spork because it says Happy Life Day and comes in a yellow and red Life Day holding pouch. 
We don't need one of these. I will do my best we to have get enough a sporks. Uh, holiday spork. So they've also <laughs> announced some additional food items that are coming to Galaxy's Edge to celebrate Life Day, like cheesy blue orbs. Oh. Um, the Life Day cheese branch. Well, that actually looks okay. <laughs> you know, that the, or- is, uh, the orbs are kind of weirding me out. They're just cheese balls of some sort. Like I'm not really sure fun. what happened there. It looks like a, maybe a mac and cheese ball. Maybe. Uh, and then the uh, last item that they're bringing out for Life Day is the Kashik, Kashik Cake at Docking Bay 7. So that is uh, a chocolate cake with some type of galactic fruits on top. <laughs> Great description, dear. Which coincidentally was the name of my band in high school, oh, Gal- yeah. Galactic Fruits. Perfect. Yes. Um, so I'm not really sure where this story is coming from. Is this a rumor or is this for so real? So this was announced at the International Association of Amusement Parks, Amusement Parks and Attractions, the IAAPA Expo, uh, which usually takes place in Orlando each year. And Disney announced that the Avatar experience would be coming to Disney's California Adventure. Hmm. Huh. Back in February, Bob Iger mentioned that there would be a Pandora-like property uh, coming somewhere to California. They didn't mention where. Uh, And yesterday, as part of the expo, it was announced. Now, today, Mm -hmm. Disney has kind of uh, backtracked on that and said that we have no official announcement regarding the location of the future Avatar experience. Okay. There's been some rumor that might possibly be replacing the uh, Grizzly Run uh, a section of the park in California Adventure. I don't like the way they're calling it an avatar experience. They're not calling it like a land. Right. So it's almost like it's going to be like one ride or one, you know, like one small thing. Or maybe a walkthrough, like the journey of water. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't love that they're calling it an experience. I don't think they're going to get um, the whole like avatar land no, like we have. No, at, I doubt they'll see two rides and a gift shop right. and a you know, snack bar, nothing exactly. like that. Um, but, you know, they kind of blue sky. They say, hey, we're going to bring Pandora to California. See if people get excited. And, and no <laughs> one knows what that exactly means. Right. Speaking of blue sky type items and imagineering. Blue Sky Cellar is going to become DVC Welcome Center at California Adventure. That's right. Blue Sky Cellar is an area in the park where um, they kind of highlight imagineering stuff. Uh, okay. It, maybe it's a look at attractions that are coming. Uh, Blue Sky Cellar has not been used since the COVID-19 pandemic uh, began in 2020, uh, but they kept filling it with uh, uh, sections of new ideas. Uh, and as Cheryl mentioned, the Blue Sky Cellar will becoming a DVC welcome center. Uh, and as part of that, the Beast's Library uh, will be closing to become the new Disney Imagination Campus location uh, over in California Adventure. And that will be in the Disney Animation Building. All right. There's a whole bunch of stuff moving around then. Yes. Uh, So the Beast's Library will close to guests on December 10th, 2023. Disney Imagination Campus, which was formerly uh, Disney Youth Programs, uh, will begin operations in the Animation Building on December 15th. Okay. I didn't know what the Beast's Library was. I guess it was part of the Sorcerer's Workshop. Right. I guess I did not know it was there. So uh, the Disney Animation Building... Also includes the Animation Academy, Anna and Elsa's Royal Welcome, and Turtle Talk with Crush. All right, I do remember that building mm-hmm. with the right, Animation the Academy animation and all that. I did, just right. didn't realize that the Beast Library was. I mean, we probably went into it. Yeah, the Beast Library remember. is a separate part of the Sorcerer's Workshop, but the rest of the Sorcerer's Workshop will remain open. Okay, I think I actually do remember that. That wraps up the news from California, so let's head across the country to Florida. Now we're starting to talk about my birthday. Okay. Yours is over. My birthday month is still going Yeah, on. but yours is done. Now we're going to talk about my birthday. 
The Fantasy and the Sky Fireworks are returning to the Magic Kingdom for New Year's Eve 2023. And that's, that is good to know. The uh, Walt Disney World calendar has confirmed that. The fireworks will return to the Magic Kingdom on both December 30th and December 31st. The fireworks are scheduled on both evenings uh, at 6.30 p.m. and 11.50. Uh, that way, if you have young ones who can't stay up until midnight, they can see the special fireworks early. Nice. Uh, Fantasy in the Sky was the first fireworks show that premiered at Disneyland in 1958, and they have gone on to perform uh, Fantasy in the Sky at Magic Kingdom, Tokyo Disneyland, and Disneyland Paris with the uh, changes over the years. So nice to see that Fantasy in the Sky will be back again this year. I love fireworks, and you can't do better fireworks than New Year's Eve fireworks. Well, maybe Fourth of July fireworks. Right. Maybe New Year's Eve fireworks are second only to Fourth of July fireworks. Duly noted. So, you know, we're heading into Epcot now, and Uh I wasn't sure if this was an entertainment story Uh or if this was an Epcot story. Okay. But it involves figment. Uh, Well, then it's not entertainment. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) I thought so. That's pretty funny. Um, but Disney is sharing videos of Figment at Walt Disney Studios and at Imagineering headquarters out in California. So there is some rumor uh, that this might be the start of a Figment movie, perhaps. Oh, good God. Yeah, they're really doing the hard uh, push on Figment right now. So uh, we'll see what this leads to. Nope. You know how they use projection mapping on some of the newer animation? Correct. In rides? Uh, it's great until something goes wrong, and then it's like a nightmare. It's great until it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, projection mapping, which is, of course, what they use on the castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use it on the Tower of Terror. They use it on the Chinese theater. Uh, and it, uh, you know, it's mapping something onto the castle. Um, well, that's what they also use on some of the animatronics. In the old days, you were limited to creating an animatronic face that really couldn't be that expressive. Well, on the dwarves in the Seven Dwarves Mine Train... Uh, and on Anna and Elsa uh, in Norway, uh, they use projection mapping for the faces, which allows them to be a lot more expressive. Well, that's great until that doesn't work, which is what happened uh, on Frozen Ever After uh, this past weekend, where Anna and Elsa's projection mapping was not working, and they just have black, black empty faces yeah, eyeless. where the projection like... would be. Um, so I guess there's no B performance type of uh, scenario for that. You know, other rides, they... They go to B performance for Fantasmic when the dragon's not available, you yeah. know, but they don't have anything in place if they're on it. And also, I, just, I don't think I realized that their faces were black like that. They mm-hmm. like when you look at the castle, the castle's still beautiful when it's not when it doesn't have projection mapping on it. Right. So I would have thought that their faces were still their faces, that they just use the projection mapping, you know, to add expression or whatever. But no, right. nope, they're. They're They're blank. They're blank and black. Yep. Now, you know, what's interesting about this is at Hong Kong Disneyland, they're getting a version of the Frozen Ever After as well Mm -hmm. in their Arendelle section. And this will not happen because their uh, animatronics uh, have full faces. I think I would prefer that. So they will not have projection mapping. I think think for some instances, I think that's better. I think projection mapping of faces, Mm -hmm. I don't I don't think I like it. Right. So if you want to head over to Hong Kong and see that, the World of Frozen will open on November 20th. All right, let's go there. If you like to spend a lot of money on your accessories, the $450 Disney 100 Swarovski Crystal Mini Headband that had been available at Disneyland, and probably still is, is now also available at Disney World. That's right. Uh, You need to ask a cast member for assistance uh, because this is a limited-release headband that comes in a Platinum Disney 100 box. Uh, They are on display in the Creation Shop in Epcot. 
and they are available. They're wrapped in black velour. It is a padded mini bow made of light pink satin with black ears uh, and multifaceted gems of varying sizes covering the entire ear and the front of the bow. Uh, they're evenly spaced, so you do see the fabric out there, and you get a certificate of authenticity. It, uh, you know, it's not a numbered collection. Uh, it's not a limited edition. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure they have, like, tons of them. And right. then in six months, they'll be selling them at the warehouse for Ooh, $17. I do like them. They're pretty. I wouldn't spend that kind of money. But, you know, if they were $29.99 like the other ones, I'd get right. one. Right. Hey, do you know what's arrived in Epcot? The Christmas tree. That's right. The Christmas tree this year is at the end of the promenade that leads from the World Celebration Area to World Showcase. It overlooks the lagoon. Normally, the ornaments uh, refer to the many pavilions, the countries that are there. Which they still do this it year. It does. Uh, but this year, in addition to that, they have added some Disney 100 ornaments to the tree. All right. So the Disney 100 ornaments are snow globes with reflective bases. And it looks uh, looks very lovely. There are also Disney 100 uh, medallions. The other ornaments include large jingle bells, baubles featuring country flags, and banners with holiday greetings in different languages. This is such a tall tree. It is. Every time we try to take a picture with this one, you can, it's really hard to get the whole thing in. Oh, you have to keep backing up and you backing do. up. Exactly. And backing up. Yeah. And then also you have to do it when it's light enough out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a tricky, it's a tricky good photo to get. It is. That's when you have to go, as the kids say with the iPhone, you have to go to the point five. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't know what that means. I well, you can't take a selfie five. that way. No, it's very tough. You, no, you're not allowed. It doesn't oh, let right. you. you. We tried. modify that. Yeah, we're, we're struggling, struggling with technology. We apologize. But the good thing is there are no selfies at this show. There's not? Not on the podcast. Oh. It's, it's audio only, so we don't have to worry about it. That's true. That's why I'm confused about what you're talking about. All right, so speaking of your birthday... And confusion. Um, Epcot is going to be, is already at capacity for New Year's Eve 2023 for most types of tickets. That's right. This is going to be the last New Year's for a while that you actually need to have a park reservation since park reservations end on January 8th of 2024. But this year, most ticket types have already uh, reached capacity for New Year's Eve. So it says um, most people can't can't go. It's sold out for most people who can still go. Well, if you have a one-day ticket, yeah. you cannot make reservations there. You okay. cannot buy a one-day ticket for um, December 31st. Okay. But if you happen to have an Incredipass annual pass, okay. you can make reservations at this time. All of the other annual passes have blackout dates for right. December 31st. Okay. So the only way to get a reservation is to have an annual pass. Okay, great. Go buy a $1,400 annual pass if you want to go to Epcot on New Year's Eve. Exactly. The Disney dining plan requirements for the Fantasmic dining packages have changed for the 2024 return. That's right. Dining packages also return on January 9th of next year. Uh, Previously, it was two table service dining credits for the Fantasmic dining package. However, this year, most package options will only use one Fantasmic dining, uh, one dining credit. One table service meal is redeemed for each dining plan uh, used by each person at 50's Primetime Cafe, Hollywood and Vine, Mama Melrose, or the Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater. If you are, however, dining at the Brown Derby, that will remain a two-table service credit meal. They're just sticking with what it would, how many, how many credits it would cost to eat there if it weren't the Fantasmic package. Correct. So, which is good. That's right. And if you're paying cash, the Brown Derby is the most expensive of the options at seventy-seven dollars per adult. All right. 
In Disney Springs news, the new Summer House on the Lake concept art has revealed that there's going to be a cookie bar. Yeah, how exciting is that? Uh, news station WKMG uh, has, an, has released some new concept art. I don't know how they got a hold of it. Um, but Summer House on the Lake is going to feature a cookie bar and a West Coast-inspired menu. Now, we don't have a look at the menu, uh, but we do have a look at the cookie bar as well as the interior. Uh, it's a very airy interior with ferns hanging from the ceiling and trees full of lights grow from the ceiling as well. Uh, now, the cookie bar itself looks pretty big. The cookies, unless they used like a midget, I'm sorry, oh my gosh. A, a little person right? Uh, for a the photo. Or a child's hands, but this, this cookies is, looks like it's as big as my head. These cookies are gigantic. You know what I like about this picture? What's this, that? This rendering here that they have. This massive cookie. This mm -hmm. woman's holding this. Just You see her, just her hands. She's holding this massive cookie, which is about the size of a head. And you know what's right off to the right side? A glass of wine. This is perfection. A glass of white wine and a massive cookie. Uh, nothing says cookie bar better than white wine. I believe that's the pairing, is it not? I think it is. So at some point, uh, Summer House on the Lake is going to open up. It was announced way back in the summer of 2022. It was supposed to be where they were putting the Beatrix restaurant. Um, Let Us Entertain You, which is the name of the group that owns Beatrix. They also own uh, Summer House Santa Monica, which is in Chicago. So it's really the same thing going in. They just changed which of the which of their properties, their properties they, they decided in, to do. Right. Yeah. So this is going in. It used to be where Bongo's was. Yes, it's so, been a long time since Bongo's has been there. Yeah. So uh, at some day we'll get an opening date and a menu. And I'll get a cookie. I don't know if Gideon's is going to be happy with that. I mean, it's a whole different experience. you know. No, like, I mean you. What? If they're going to be upset with you getting cookies from there, they know that you love their cookies. I do, but that's what I mean. I can have, it's just like having multiple children. You can love them all. You love them in different ways, but you love them all. Okay. <laughs> What's going on in the resorts? Uh, more gingerbread. The, uh, the Disney 100 Gingerbread Castle at the Contemporary is now open, and you can buy various sweet treats from there. That's right. We went through some of the treats that were mentioned uh, last week. And the Gingerbread Castle in the Contemporary Resort is very Mary Blair-inspired. It consists of the castle and the small world building facade in the background, as well as some Disney 100 touches. And then over at the Yacht Club Resort, uh, this is the first year they've had a larger gingerbread item. They have debuted their Gingerbread Lighthouse. I like that. Um, that is in addition to their annual miniature Christmas Village, which, which they put up in their lobby, which has a train and a skyway and mm -hmm. whatnot. Um, so the gingerbread lighthouse is also done, uh, and it uh, looks like it's probably about 10 feet tall. That's pretty and cool. And it's a lighthouse. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. And there's some more Cheryl birthday-related news. Yeah, Cheryl is not going to this event. No. Um, on New Year's Eve, they are hosting a Alice in Wonderland-inspired celebration at the California Grill at the Contemporary. It will cost uh, upwards of $799. Wow. Uh, this is the Alice's Whimsical World of Wonderland event. Uh, it will cost $799. That includes gratuity and applicable tax. And it's going to take place at the Contemporary Resort uh, on the 15th floor. 
up at the California Grill. Uh, it will transform into Wonderland for this one-night event. Characters from the Alice uh, in Wonderland film from 1951 will appear, with uh, Disney noting Alice the Mad Hatter and March Hare by name. The doorknob and Dinah the Hat Lady will also be present, with Disney warning guests to beware the Queen of Hearts. All right. So guests will be required to pay the entire $799 charge at the time of booking. So no, uh, no reservations. You have to pay just like it were Cinderella's royal table. Guests are inquired to wear uh, fine clothing uh, for the evening and participate in the champagne toast when the clock strikes midnight. The event will run from 7.30 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. It will also include a fanciful ice sculpture and a musical playlist curated by the White Rabbit, who also serves as the event's DJ. All right. I'll be following this. I want to see if this thing sells out. Yes. Like This is, you're pushing the envelope here with an $800 ticket. Agreed. But, but you know, they've they've started bringing in more New Year's events. I know a couple of years ago they did an Adventurers Club type of event over mm-hmm. in the ballrooms at the Contemporary. Yeah, but I think those were like $140 a exactly. person. Exactly. A little more palatable. It was more a along, little more. It was more along the lines of a, an after-hours party right. uh, in one of the parks as opposed to uh, got a one-night stay at the Polynesian. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot. And it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that would be fun to do, you know, I don't know, maybe somebody, maybe some weirdo by themselves. I shouldn't say that. I'm so sorry. But I mean, like, who's going to, it's it's very themed, right? It's right. very, um, if, if you don't like Alice in Wonderland, this isn't going to be fun for you. So I feel like you your audience is small anyway. And now also it's only rich people. So rich people who are obsessed with, Alice in Wonderland. Or rich people, not necessarily rich people, but people with means who have to do every special Disney thing. Yeah, that's true. And you know that if it's only 200 seats, this is going to sell out. Maybe. I don't know. That's why I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if and when it sells out. You know, I never thought that $120,000 adventures by Disney trip around the world visiting all of the theme parks for 24 days would never reach the general public because it sold out in pre-sale. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's people that are always going to go to these type of Disney events. No matter how much you complain about the price, there are people with means who are going to go. I know, but I want to go on a trip around the world. I don't even want to go to this, and they're charging $800. <laughs> and for those who are wondering, we keep saying Cheryl's birthday because your birthday happens to be... New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Yes. Disney Cruise Line has gotten something that the parks uh, themselves don't have. Oh, boy. Do tell. It's a Mickey Mouse Toy Soldier Sipper, which... Seems like we've talked about this kind of thing before, but at the parks, it's a toy soldier popcorn bucket, but they've switched it to be a sipper for the uh, cruise line. Well, that is very exciting. So it is a Mickey toy soldier uh, sipper, which means that instead of the popcorn opening in the back, he just has a straw hole on the top of his head. Uh, He does come with a Disney Cruise Line branded strap. So you can pick that up while you're on board one of the Disney Cruise Line ships, as well as the Donald uh, Christmas tree sipper for $20. Okay, good. The Disney Cruise Line Terminal at the Port of Everglades in Fort Lauderdale is now open. That's right. November 13th was the opening day. Disney now has a a second permanent location in the state of Florida. And uh, it's very similar in style to the Port Canaveral one. Um, But uh, you have uh, an underwater tone, I guess, and look to it because you see some of the characters from Finding Nemo. Uh, you also have a bunch of bubbles in the space. It's very inviting, very colorful, very whimsical. Uh, it's a 104,000 square foot building, 
um, with a lot of Disney touches. So uh, congratulations, DCL. Yeah. I look forward to cruising out of there. It looks good. Uh, cruising out of uh, the Everglades, Fort Lauderdale, is going to also be your way to get to Disney's newest island. Oh. So um, that will be very popular. Mm-hmm. Disney Cruise Line will be hosting next next year's Turner Classic Movies Cruise on the Disney Magic from October 26th through the 31st. That's right. If you're a fan of classic movies, you might just want to take the TCM Classic Cruise on the Disney Cruise Line. They've done this a few times. Um, they usually charter the entire ship, so regular guests can't sail with you. It's only people who are... Uh, who like the TCM uh, movies and their channel. It will sail from Fort Lauderdale to Cozumel and Castaway Key. The sailing will include TCM-themed events like screenings under the stars, conversations with special guests, and presentations by film experts. So if you want to do it, you can check out the TCM Classic Cruise website. You unfortunately cannot book these through your own travel agent. You cannot. So sad. Why are we talking about this? So into entertainment news, while we were in the car the other day, we did talk about the Marvel's performance. While we have a better look at the worldwide box office, we know it made $47 million domestically. They made $63 million internationally. That is 110 globally. Um, it is, uh, I believe, the worst uh, debuting film out of the 33 di- uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Uh, if you want to compare this to the original Captain Marvel movie, uh, that debuted to uh, $455 million globally, so it's about four times less. Well, yeah, I guess. But, you know, you have to wait. Some some things take a little time. They have to simmer and grow. Right. You know, I've heard it's pretty good, so maybe yes, that I've, word I've, will get out. I've heard good things about it. We're seeing it this coming weekend. Um, Disney had hoped that it would pull in about $140 million opening weekend, so it fell about $30 million short on their prediction. Uh, the film's budget was $220 million. Uh, the marketing on that, you usually double that, so $440 million. So this film needs to make about $500 million to make a profit, right? Uh, which is going to be a, a tough call. Um, so uh, we'll, see. we'll see how it goes. All right. Christmas decorations are continuing to go up at Universal Studios in Florida. Uh, The park's Christmas tree was recently erected in the New York section. Um, Some additional holiday decor has been added to the entry arches and throughout the Hollywood area of the park. That's right. Welcome Christmas. You know, what's interesting about that Christmas tree is it sits in front of a replica of the Macy's building. Oh, that's kind of neat. And where are we going to be next week? At the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. We'll be at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade because Cheryl's company has an office right across from the Macy's building. Uh, so we'll be checking that out next Thursday. You want to be jealous, except that we need to leave our house at like 4.30 in the morning. So don't get too jealous. The Grinch meet and greet at Universal's Islands of Adventure is going to be using the standby line instead of the virtual queue. That's right. And this is because there were Grinch-related decorations up outside of Hong Kongers. Oh. Uh, and that confirmed that the Grinch meet and greet will return to that location. That's the same area they used last year. Uh, and as Cheryl mentioned, they will be using a standby line as opposed to a virtual queue this year. So, uh, you know, things kind of falling back to the old pre-COVID ways in some respects. There's going to be some things I'm going to miss, though, about the COVID era, like yeah. not waiting in an actual line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't mind a virtual queue. I think they're fantastic. All right. Virtual queues are fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's still a few things in Disney that haven't returned, like my favorite, the mouse boats. I know. You still can't rent boats no, you in can't. any of the lakes. And Maybe it, they just threw them all out. Me. Can you rent Surrey bikes? You can rent Surrey bikes again, right? I don't know. We'll have to look next time. 
So, you know, earlier in the show, we talked about the IAAPA Expo, which is taking place at the Orange County Convention Center. Yeah. Uh, and during that show, the SeaWorld Orlando group gave their first public look at the lead car for their upcoming Penguin Trek roller coaster. How neat. Um, it's the lead car. It's supposed to look like a snowmobile. And you're in the Antarctic. Uh, in Antarctica, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just a little uh, fun look at the ride. There's going to be a 42-inch height requirement on the, the uh, roller coaster. The trains will seat 18 passengers apiece, and it will have over-the-head lap restraints. All right. Over-the-head lap restraints, to me, usually means you go upside down. Right. But I don't think there's any upside down built with this because it is a family coaster. Okay. Uh, they're calling it a grown-up coaster that a kid can ride, it's an indoor-outdoor coaster that uses the former Empire of the Penguin attraction at SeaWorld. It's going to top out at uh, a top speed of 43 miles per hour and have a finale that includes actual penguins. Woo! So good for that. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, so that is all of our news for today. Glad to be back in the studio with you, and we will be back on Friday. And until then, I'm Tony. And I'm Cheryl. And you've been listening to the Disney Drive Time Podcast. Beep, beep.